episode 81 of the Game Sharks podcast, where we talk about our favorite thing in the world, video games. Joining me this week is Adam. Hello. And Andrew. I miss the different favorite thing every week, Jeff. I know it's only been two weeks, but... It's a lot. I'm running out of things. <laughs> you should uh, you should come to us for ideas. We have favorite guess, things too, Jeff. I guess that's true. I don't know. I just, just feel like... Just make a list beforehand. It goes against the idea of refocusing the podcast, spending two to ten minutes talking <laughs> about some arbitrary, random, not video game thing. I also agree with that <laughs> so but i'm not i'm not saying that we should go back to it i'm just saying i miss it yeah maybe if there's any one particular thing we'll see uh you know and video games uh uh but that means we lose and video games oh man it's okay <sighs> life will go on uh main episode topic this week backlog power hour the world ends with you a DS cult classic that uh, the three of us here have played. Uh, Derek Notably, decided, not Derek, Derek. decided that he's like, I don't, I don't yeah. want to play it. I don't like it. Uh, all right, Derek, whatever works for you. He doesn't listen to if I anyway. if I gathered the information correctly, Derek also played the Switch version, which could be a yeah. little telling. Uh, which I thought yeah. he bought a cartridge. I thought we watched him do that. Yeah, I, they weren't hard to find. Like my main uh, reason for you. Hold get on, we'll get DS it. Version. We'll, we'll yeah, get into okay, that. We'll get into that. Uh, okay, <laughs> let's start off this episode with our, our shark bites, our little quick thing that we want to talk about each week. Uh, Adam, why don't you go first? What's the what's your shark bite for this week? What's something you want to talk about real quick? Uh, I finally beat my first PS4 game. Ooh, in the, in the time since I've yeah, it was God of War. I beat God of War. Awesome. What do you think? I I got through most of it on normal difficulty, but I eventually, for like the little last part of it, I had to switch it down to easy. Mm. The the part that made me do it was the part where you're reveling, like you're getting the gate back up to Jotunheim, and like you have to go through that gauntlet of things from all the different worlds. Yeah. And it was the part where two, basically, it was the part where two of the the flying dark elf assholes showed up. And like they just kept chain comboing me into oblivion, so I had to tone down the difficulty on that. Yeah, that was tough. Uh, I the only thing that I ended up toning the difficulty down on that game for was the optional final the Valkyrie Valkyries. fight. <sighs> I did all of them except for the last one. I, 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 I just like, never beat the last one. After banging my head against it for like two hours, I was like, all right, I'm just gonna put this down on easy mode, and then it was still hard. <laughs> oh yeah, and you and you have to like employ a special strategy where you have to like completely rethink the way that you interact with the enemy because it's just you can't fight them normally yeah no they're insane but uh so what do you think overall of the game uh amazing game just one of the most cinematic games i think i've ever played yeah like that final final boss cinematic game that's ever been made that final boss fight against balder where like uh freya like resummons the giant like like you would figure that out pretty quickly after playing the game and he's like the main thing that comes and shows up and wants to beat it, beat you up for no reason. Mm. But you guys have both played it, so whatever. Sure. Would yeah. you would you say it's the uh, best game of the 2010s? Oh, it's up there. I mean, I haven't played every game from the 2010s, but yeah. Well, so I don't think true. I could ever actually give a valid argument to that. But that, it should definitely be somewhere on the list. Cool. Uh, <laughs> according to us, it should be at number one. Yeah, I, I could agree with that in theory. It's are you, just a very good game. Are you excited for the sequel now? Uh, yeah, and I'm I'm still waiting on 
nabbing a PS5 until they're not. Uh, I don't have to fight the rest of the internet to find one. That's a that is respectable choice. I've still got Andrew's PS4 backlog to get through. So hmm. truly, Andrew, what's your bite? Um, mine is uh, Chicory, a colorful tale, yeah. kind of a an indie hit that uh, snuck snuck in out of nowhere. Uh, but a lot of reviewers were raving about it. Uh, I think it came out around the time as Resident Evil Village. Mm, that sounds like right. It's, it's been out for a couple of months, and it's been in in the back of my mind for a while. And I've just I knew I wanted to play it, but I was never really I didn't really feel motivated to start anything new recently. But now I decided was the time. So I, I picked up Trickery and a couple other games, and I started it. And that game is a delight. That game is just it's a Zelda 1-esque top-down 2D adventure game, but the entire world is basically like a playable color coloring book. Uh, the writing is fantastic. It's composed by Lena Rain. Uh, yeah. It, um, so the entire uh, like point of the game is like you're coloring everything in. Everything is black and white. Uh, and so you, you have this like ever-expanding repertoire of like painting powers you basically the concept of the game is that the the world itself uh is given its color by what's known as the wielder which is i guess essentially is like the avatar where it's like one uh person who uh is then passed down through generations um and so the wielder is the one who wields the magic paintbrush which is able to color the world and so by happenstance the main character of the game uh, stumbles into becoming the wielder and then you kind of go around and you're helping out townspeople every character in the game is now named after a food which is awesome <laughs> in the start of the game it asks you to name your favorite food and then that's what becomes your character's name uh, i tried to make it bees trigger but that wasn't uh it wouldn't fit within the character limit so now my character is just bees <laughs> uh and yeah so that game is so cute so relaxing such a it's just, you know, stress-free game. So cool. endearing. Yeah. Re- yeah. Definitely recommend it. I've heard great things about it. Yeah. It's on my list of potential things to check out as we get later in the year uh, and Game of the Year discussions start coming up. Yeah. Uh, my my thing, my bite that I want to talk about is I decided to play all of the Metroid, the 2D Metroid games before Metroid Dread comes Oof. out. It's not as bad as you think. <laughs> so uh, well, we, am, we already did one of them. And that's the other thing. I'll probably replay it. So, um, no Metroid Primes, and I'm only playing the remakes for 1 and 2. So, Metroid Zero Mission, which is a remake of Metroid. Metroid Samus Returns, the 3DS game that is a remake of Metroid 2 Return of Samus. Uh, Super Metroid, and then Metroid Fusion. So, I have already beaten Metroid Zero Mission. The game clock said 3 hours and 33 minutes. That's not bad. Like I said, very quick. Uh... That was, I was using save states because I was playing on the Wii U. And if I knew I was about to do a boss fight instead of dying at the boss and then having to go back to the last save point and run to the boss, I would just restart the, the thing. So I probably, I don't know, maybe 20 minutes added to that. So like, say, four hours. Uh, I'm currently playing the Samus Returns. So I'd never, that's the one I knew the least about. Um, and it's kind of cool. Uh, I don't want to go too much into too into too much detail about it right now uh and then i obviously super metroid is on the the switch uh snes online service and then 
Metroid Fusion I also bought on my Wii U. So I think it's very achievable. If anyone wants to do this with me, uh, we could do an episode about it around when Metroid Dread is going to come out. Just ranking and talking yeah, about that's, uh... Andrew's hands up. I may. Yeah. I might. It's October, right? That Dread comes out? Yep. So... Like I said, I'm already on the second game. The second game is the longest. How long to beat has the first one at our Metroid Zero Mission at like five hours. Samus returns at like 11 hours. And then Super Metroid and Fusion both in like the four to six hour range. So they're all really quick with the exception of Samus Returns, which I would say 11 hours is still pretty quick. So yeah. if, if anyone, any of you two, either of you two want to do it, I'll let Derek know. See if he wants to do it. Tikan, if you're listening and you want to partake, uh... I think that could be a real fun thing for us to do, but if it's just me, so be it. I'm I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I mean, I would have been 100% down if it weren't for the timing being so poor, because I literally just bought like three short on the shorter side indie games to play, yeah. and I am probably not even halfway done with Dark Souls 2, which I think I want to. I like want to finish it, but I'm it's daunting because it's still so long. Yeah, that's understandable. But yeah, yeah, so I'm looking forward to playing but, through all of those. On the other side, now that Kenna has been delayed until September, up August, I have though. even more time. That's true. There you go. Uh, all right. Let's talk about why we're here today. Uh, it's our Backlog Power Hour episode for the video well, game. about 23 years ago. <laughs> the World Ends With You. The World Ends With You was a game developed by Square Enix and Jupiter. It was published by Square Enix and it was released on the Nintendo DS. On July 27th, 2007, it's classified as an action role-playing game. Um, so yeah, this is this game is kind of a cult classic. I don't think either of you two knew about it until I had brought it up to you. Um, nope. It's it's like it was until recently. The reason we're playing it, obviously, the sequel Neo the or prequel, the Neo: The World Ends with You came out this past Tuesday uh, and me being uh, someone who had played this game when he was a kid looking forward to playing the prequel. I wanted to replay this one in preparation. And at the same time I was like, Oh, I should have them do it as part of the, the power backlog because I think it's something you guys could enjoy. So the three of us played through it myself and Andrew beat it. Adam, you probably got about two thirds of the way through before you hit a wall with a boss fight. Um, yeah. So you didn't I, quite I just couldn't it. get past it. Did you end up going back and looking at like all the story stuff or no? Yeah, I looked at the story stuff like to figure out where it was going because there were like a few unanswered questions. Yeah. Okay. At that point in the game. Cool. Um so yeah, I guess we'll go around one at a time, kind of give our overall thoughts, uh, like we usually do, and then we'll just kind of let the conversation develop from there and get deeper. Adam, what are your your kind of initial thoughts on this game, overall thoughts on the world ends with you? So it did take me a while to get into it. Yeah. Because it's it's very unique in that sense. It's got a very it, strange control scheme, how everything is purely touchscreen. Not everything, but a lot of it. Well, yeah, not everything. So it, for those who don't know, it splits you. Like you have your main character and your partner with another character who takes up the top screen. That character you control with button motions, while the bottom screen character is only controlled with touchscreen yeah so that's so the, that's the kinda, big gimmick of the game is the yeah. battle system you're controlling two characters at once each one on a different screen of the ds um and there's like a back and forth to it and like a flow to it that takes a long time i think you're right to really get the feel for i i don't even think i ever really got the hang of like the back and forth because i was just kind of mashing and it ended up working 
Yeah. Like whatever works, man. Mm-hmm. But there were times where like I feel like even the top part, like it being so different than the bottom, like like there was one particular fight that I had to put the system down for a day because I was just super annoyed by it. <laughs> it was in the middle of week two. It was one of those Reaper challenges where like, okay, like fight this noise, but I get to pick your pins and you get like pins that do nothing. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's like uh, you know, some of them were like they're super weak and they don't do anything. Like literally, I the problem with that was each pin is activated differently, and I could not figure out how to actually activate them. Yeah, if you hadn't had them before, yeah, I did that. I only like did the top the fight on the top screen for those. And just yeah, but the problem them. I had with that fight is like you had Joshua at that point. Oh, and what? We lost you for a second. Keep going. Getting... No, like the point is like I had Joshua at that point, but for like the first ten attempts on it. He just got stun locked to the point where like he could not do anything. Yeah, that'll happen. Because you know you need to complete commands for him to do something. Mm-hmm. So what I get through the entire point with Neku being useless and getting stun locked out of doing anything with Joshua. So it seemed like honestly, for a split second there, I thought I can't get past this. Uh like there's no way out of this. Alright, let's roll it back. We're getting kind of into the weeds or dropping yeah, character yeah. names and like specific mechanics. This is more just fair, like, fair, overall. Fair. We should have Adam go last. We should have Adam. <laughs> Probably should, last. yeah. I go down the rabbit hole way too quickly. Anyways. So, I'll say, okay, just to keep it vague, battles took a while to get used to. The story was really interesting at a certain point once you got enough details. Like, it starts off super vague, but the more you get into the story, the more you kind of want to know. Mm. So, like, yeah, I don't remember when, but it did. Okay, now I need to know what happens. Like, but my main complaint was... my. Ultimately, my major complaints are the battle system felt a little too weird for me, and like it, the story was a bit of a slow start, in my opinion. All right. It took uh, a while before I was actually kind of hooked. Andrew, what were your thoughts overall? Yeah, so um, I somewhat agree with Adam. I found basic like everything about the game to be it like very fascinating, super interesting concept for story and like all of the ideas that they that they go over with their character interactions are are like very thought provoking the the idea of like self and the idea of your connections with your social um interactions uh and then obviously the narrative itself was was a deeply unraveling mystery that you know layers kept getting added onto it and it is very intriguing uh but I wish it was any other style of video game because <laughs> mm-hmm. I did not enjoy physically playing it almost whatsoever. But because like kind of like Adam was saying, it was the control scheme was very gimmicky. Even once I started to figure out how the battle mechanics worked, it was just too uncomfortable for me to like use for more than two minutes at a time. Um but I I powered through it, so I uh, I end up really liking the story. I really like the characters. Um, the music goes so hard, and it has no right to. Uh, calling yeah, the music, uh, like, is awesome. like one of the main two songs you hear for the first third of the game, is like one of the best video game songs I've ever heard. Uh, and uh, the the world itself was was very cool to be in, and I'm I, I wish that I could have explored that space. Uh, not on a touchscreen. In general, I've always had a history of distaste with uh, DS games and like even some Game Boy Advance games. They've always given me this weird vibe that felt gimmicky. Mm. Uh, and this this is probably one of the most gimmicky games. 
Um, but I'm glad that I, you know, crossed it off my list. Yeah. So. Worth playing. I got a question. Did either of you two have issues with like the touchscreen being unresponsive at points? Like, no, nope. like it wasn't. Nope. It might just be my system then, because I had issues where like sometimes I thought I was doing something and just wouldn't do it. Like, it took me like probably a solid two hours before I got to the point of moving around the battlefield. I will oh, say, that is I don't know, I don't know about you guys. I played it on a 3DS, and using mm-hmm. the circle pad was a bad idea. That d- did not feel natural at all. Yeah. Oh no! You, yeah, I especially during combat, you need to use the D-pad. Yeah, like, I tried, yeah. but it's positioned on the 3DS so differently it's that low. holding yeah. it was so weird. Yeah. Anyway. Anyways, um, so my thoughts. Obviously, I had played this when I was probably when this I say came out 2007. So I would have been like 15, 16, because I only got it shortly after it came out. Um, and I remember really liking it back then. Uh, and I was playing through this time and I had mostly forgotten about the story. I remembered some of the big key points that happened, but for the most part, a lot of it was like re re experiencing it, which was cool. Uh, I think the number one way to describe this game is this game is cool as hell. Uh, it's like, it gives me similar vibes that persona five gives me where like you were saying, Andrew, the world, the characters, the storytelling, the music, the themes, all of it is just like, it's so interesting and so cool and so well done. Um, it, it shares a lot of similarities to Persona 5 in that manner where it, it takes place in Shibuya and you're a Japanese teenager and uh, just kind of running around the city doing things. And Japanese uh, culture or like pop culture plays an important role in this game and like what people think of you is an important thing in this game. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was all... It's very, very cool game. Uh, that being said, playing through it this time, there's a lot of issues with this game. A lot of broken or boring mechanics. Um, but it's not bad enough for me to for me to not have wanted to go through it all and experience the story and like learn about the characters in the world more. Uh, I guess we can go deeper into some of the stuff. Uh, I guess let's start with story. So basically, you are playing as this kid. His name is Neku. He wakes up all on at the beginning of the game in the scramble crossing of uh, like in Shibuya. It's like a very famous street. I'm sure everyone has seen pictures of it. It's just like massive crosswalk in Shibuya. Um, and he just kind of wakes up, he's lying on the ground there and he realizes that no one can see or hear him. And you're like, what is going on? And then this girl comes out of nowhere and says, make a bond with me. And he's like, what is going on? And there's these like weird frogs attacking them and stuff. Uh, it's super weird. Anyways, long story short, you find out that he is dead and he's playing in a, a game called the Reapers games. And basically he has to survive and complete missions, uh, from these reapers which are basically uh if if you watch the anime they did an anime of this recently um shin megami uh or uh right no what? what's what's the word what's the uh shinigami shinigami that's what it is yeah because it's the same as in um bleach death note yeah and bleach yeah so basically japanese demons uh reapers uh yeah they're basically they're giving you missions you have to survive for a week and if you do you have the chance to come back to life that's kind of what's going on and that no one and it's like it's called the underground and it's layered on top of i think the rg real ground yep. that's what 
and it's like this is very weird jrpg story shit yeah um, like it it like most jrpgs invents its own like cons conceptual world and like expects you to stick with it and and just believe it you know yeah yeah like like these are the rules are just wrong with it uh yeah it's pretty it was pretty bonkers uh but basically neku doesn't trust people he can't remember anything he has amnesia um, you play through the week, you meet a bunch of characters, you meet Beat and Rhyme, who are two other players playing in the game. Uh, you get to the end of the week, uh, let's see, Neku and Shiki end up winning the week, but it turns As, out... Like, the only, it's also worth noting that the only two people left at the end of the week. Yeah. That's not true. Well, Beat is the other one Beat left. was there. Um, oh. because, because, true, but uh, for other reasons. Because stuff. Because it's also worth noting that... Uh, through this entire time, the Reapers are actively trying to get rid of the players as well. Yeah, they're summoning... The main enemies are called... Or, like, fodder enemies are called Noise. They're usually some sort of stylized animal, like frogs or wolves or bats or bears. Um, and kangaroos. I think there's a kangaroo enemy. Um, and basically, the Reapers many. are controlling the Noise to try to fight you and whatnot. Uh, I don't want to do, go too crazy into the story, but... Uh, I just want to kind of hit the big beats because we always end up finding ourselves falling into this trap of just talking in depth about the entirety of the story. Yeah, um, true. And then being like, okay, that's a good episode. <laughs> yeah. So you get to the end of week one and only one of you can comes back to life, uh, turns out. And also you found out that everyone has to pay a price or a cost uh, to enter the game. So that's why Neku had no memory because his memory was his his entry fee. Um, Shiki comes back to life. Neku's like, all right, I'll play the game again because uh, apparently you can do that. And his entry fee this time is Shiki. Whoa! Because he made a friend. Yeah, and his, his whole thing is, I don't have friends, but now I have a friend. Yeah, he's just... Yeah, it's like just ultimate so dick move. Do, she just so happened to, at that moment, be the thing that he valued the most. Yes. And also, what... Beat chose to become a Reaper, this other character. Yep. Uh, he's like another main character. After his Important to was... mention that during yeah. the first week, uh, around day six, I believe rhyme beats partner was erased yes who you find out is actually his sister which i like i forgot that that was supposed to be a secret it it's pretty but obvious it they wear pretty obvious they look similar they wear like the same style of clothing their names are beat and rhyme <laughs> yes <laughs> um so neku starts the the game again in week two then all of a sudden some random person bonds to him and he has no idea what's going on it's this random kid named joshua uh, yeah, this fucking prick. Yeah, Joshua's kind of a tool. He's very full of himself, very cocky. He seems like he's very frail, though. And you kind of fight through that week with Joshua, and he's super mysterious. Also, there's a lot of, like, mystery in this game. Like, every uh, every player in the game has a player pin. But for some reason, Neku has two player pins, and he doesn't know why. And Joshua doesn't have a player pin, and he doesn't know why. Yeah, um, there's a lot of hints and little stones that they drop down for you that really don't resolve until the end the of the game final hours of the game final minutes yeah and yeah, but when, like when eventually all the, everything makes sense and when it does you're just like whoa i wouldn't say it makes sense like a hunt like kind necessarily of. but it is explained to you it is explained to you <laughs> uh so yeah he basically goes through the week not like really trusting joshua he's up to some shady stuff he's He's making phone calls to people, and he's like, who are you talking to? We're dead. Uh, he also gets this series of flashbacks involving Joshua, which he seems to recall being from when he was alive, 
and it is and those flashbacks involve him watching Joshua kill him. Shoot him. But then he's not but then he's not sure if Joshua killed him because it shows uh another person behind Neku that Joshua may or may not have been shooting at, but then like the but basically the flashback gets longer and eventually Neku deduces, no, you, you killed me. That's not, so yeah. Well, at the end of week two, he deduces that, oh, Joshua didn't kill me. He was actually trying to save me from this other guy who killed me. Minami Moto, who is one of the greatest yeah. villains in all of video games. He's just, Katoa. just outing Matt. So co- cosine tangent, you know, this he's, is like, uh, he's so Zeta slow. Are you Zeta Slow, Jeff? He just shouts <laughs> insane math terms, and it's yeah. incredible. I've been doing this for years, and now I'm because only one other person had ever played this game with me, so we would shout these things at each other. And now that you guys have also played it, I can shout these things at you. Yeah, um, it's also worth noting he's the boss I got stuck on. Oh, Minimimoto. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you at I the managed, very end. I of managed week two. to barely squeeze by a lot of the fights in this game. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that when we talk more about mechanics. Yeah. Um, so Joshua ends up sacrificing himself because Minamimoto blows himself up. Uh, and then Neku wins the game again. But why doesn't he come back to life at the end of the second week? As, as plot twist, Joshua was alive the entire time. So the entire thing was null and void. Oh, that's what it was. You find out that he Joshua... broke the rules. Yeah, Joshua was yeah, never he broke dead. the rules, so... He could just but guess what you didn't technically win. Yeah, he could just see the Reapers and the game happening for some reason. Just like uh, Mr. Hanekoma, who yeah. is a character that you have interacted with throughout the entirety of this game so far. He's kind of been like the mentor character for mm-hmm. a lot of the players. Uh, he like uh, the players seek refuge in him. He like, helps them out, gives them tips, uh, physically upgrades your abilities. Because there's this one bit with Joshua where you have to like take pictures of a scene of in uh, the past. And it, yeah, and the the pictures depict like like windows of time from the past, and that's how you're supposed to solve mysteries. There's like a missing microphone or some bullshit. Yes, you know. Um. So yeah, turns out Joshua was alive the whole time, and he wanted to play in the game for fun. That's why he didn't yeah. have a player pin. He found Neku interesting. Yes. Um. So, so more of a tool. So yeah, he basically they're like the Reapers, are like you can't come back to life because that game doesn't count because your partner was wasn't dead yeah, uh so then so, so then so he's the like okay decide you're gonna play a game but it's only gonna be you well here's the thing he's there's he's like okay you get to play one more time this is it you're either coming to life or you're dead at the end of this uh and you find out that the entry free for neku was all of the other players in the game yeah so he's by himself he, there's no people yeah and the whole idea is like oh you can't fight the noise if you don't have a partner so it's like oh you're gonna die on day one and then beat Turns out he's like, I don't want to be a Reaper no more, yo. He's very like skate, like dumb skater. It's his yeah, kind of well, persona. Yeah, because Beat's whole thing is that during the second week after he becomes a Reaper, he kind of tries to fuck with Neku and Joshua the whole time and is very unfriendly towards him, either because he blames Neku or blames himself for the death of, uh, of Rhyme. And like he apparently wants to become the best reaper to become the composer which is the person running the game in shibuya who the composer's identity is a mystery it's a big plot thread throughout this game uh and so his whole thing is he wants to become the composer and like reform shibuya and be able to bring rhyme back to life Mm -hmm. uh and so he's kind of trying to impede joshua neku's progress and the whole time neku's just like stop we're friends (laughs) Like and so he just Neku just continues to be friendly to Beat and then so when the time by the time week three rolls around Beat's like, all right, 
Let's become partners. Yeah, he's like, I don't want to be a Reaper anymore. Um, so uh, you're going to help me find the composer, and we're going to be partners. So B is your partner for the third week. Uh, this is the last week in the game. And a lot of the, this week doesn't really follow the structure of the previous week. Where, like, week one is very structured. Like, okay, you're getting a mission every every day, and you have to complete the mission. And then at the end of the mission, you, Neku, and whoever your partner is just, like, gets knocked out and falls asleep and they just wake up the next day at the start of the mission. Uh, week two, there's like less missions and you're kind of just roaming around doing your own thing. Week three is just pure chaos. It seems. Oh yeah. Um, and you're just fighting a bunch of like high level reapers. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on where the composer has put in a, an order to make it so that the reapers can kill the players on site, which at this point are only Neku and beat. Um, and yeah, you kind of slowly work towards the last day and fight all of the the big bad reapers you've been running into. Uh, and it kind of all comes to a head at the end of the game. You run into the guy who his nickname throughout the whole game has been Shades. He's just a reaper who wears shades, but he's like the head reaper. Basically, he's the one who talks directly to the composer. Um, and he you... is the conductor. Yes. Yes, that's which is right. not the composer, but no, the he's just guy, below he's, the composer. He's like the vice composer yeah he basically gets info from the composer and is in charge of all the reapers and runs the game from there um so you end up fighting him shiki pops back up all of a sudden uh i forgot why shiki's there at the end i would imagine something to do with the fact like because when a player wins the game their entry fee is returned to them yes? yes so shiki at the technically at the end of week two was returned to Neku, but not physically. She just came back to life somewhere, I yeah. guess. I don't know. It was it was kind of unclear. Yeah. Um. So Shiki's there, and you're fighting this guy. Uh, I don't remember his name. The main big bad reaper. Um. You end up beating him in the fight, and that's kind of where like this is where all of the 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 story really culminates and come like everything starts to click at the end. You, you basically find out that Joshua was in fact the composer the whole time yeah and joshua so basically when when i was a kid and i realized joshua was basically god it kind of blew my mind (laughs) i was like i was fighting alongside god that whole second week it's crazy um yeah so you find out joshua was the composer the whole time he actually neku finally joshua is like oh i'll give you back all of your memory at this point and neku finally remembers exactly what happened and it turns out Joshua did kill uh, Neku, and he throws a player pin on him. That's why he has two player pins. Um, and there's a whole bit where it's like, oh, I'm going to kill you now because I killed, I destroyed your player pin. And then the bad guy didn't realize Neku had another player pin. And that's why he couldn't be erased or something. It's like the Franklin badge in Mother. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so uh, Joshua was the composer the whole time. He issued a uh an ultimatum to the conductor he's like hey the human race is flawed uh so you need to i forgot what the parameters was basically you need to prove to me that humanity is worth saving yeah if you don't then i'm gonna destroy everything yeah Um, so this whole the whole concept of the game was a bet between joshua and god uh, and his underling yeah Uh, uh megumi Yes. Uh, and Neku was like, I'm going to choose someone to represent myself in the game to fight against you. And that's why he killed Neku in the real world is so that he, Neku was basically his champion. Um, so Neku wasn't, or Joshua wasn't alive. He was just happened to be the composer. Um, and then 
you end up Deku end up ends up convincing Joshua like hey we're worth we're clearly worth saving look at what like basically looked at Neku's personal growth as a person and was like yeah I guess we'll we'll keep things the world alive uh so then the final scene is Neku beat Rhyme and Shiki all back alive hanging out in Shibuya it's very much uh implied that it is Shiki would you know yeah, so the whole the thing whole with Shiki, her Shiki entry is. fee was that uh, she in in the underground, she her body was basically the body of her best friend because her entry fee was the way she looks. She has like she didn't like herself in the real world and she idolized her best friend and then you find out, oh, my best friend actually idolized me, blah blah blah, that whole shtick. Um, yeah. And, and that's the thing that really struck me about this game is the amount that it deals with uh Derek, get the fuck out of here. Derek? Uh, well, Derek's here. We'll see if he ends up saying anything. All right. Anyway, the... the... I didn't know why he didn't like it. Uh, hi, Derek. Hi, Derek. Welcome Yay. to the Game Sharks podcast. What brings you here tonight? <laughs> Did you want to come talk about why you didn't like The World Ends With You? Uh, I was more curious than just hearing uh, what you guys had to say about it. And you're just bored? <laughs> Well, I just finished. I was in a meeting. I would have joined uh, earlier, but I thought you were gonna say, "Oh, I just finished the world ends with you." <laughs> I thought he was gonna <laughs> say, "I just finished dinner." Um, oh yeah, I, yeah, I thought he was to come listen to a podcast. Anyway, uh, as I was saying, part of the the thing that really struck me about this game is the amount that it deals with, like the like just personal problems, like personal mental problems. You know, like not, and not to say like mental disease, but like self perception, self esteem your relationships with others the like and the whole the coolest part about the game for me probably was the way that they integrated the title because you know like when they when things have vague titles like the world ends you, with like, you yeah so like things will have vague titles whether it's a song or final a, fantasy uh, yeah or a movie or something <laughs> so like the world ends with you is actually a quoted phrase that Hanekoma says during the game where he is explaining to Neko that his perception of the world ends at himself so like yes. unless he expands the his view on world and expands his social outreach then his his like outward view will always just be selfish and himself and yes. so like which yeah hearing him say that i think they say it twice in the game at uh say it at another point i think joshua says it to him um at some point but it's, yeah like giving the title a meaning like that, I feel like it's something super rare that you don't see in games anymore. Um, it was really cool. It's like a lot of the times they'll say the name of a thing. And like, I don't know if you're familiar with Family Guy. I used to watch a lot of Family Guy when I was younger. But there's like the Family Guy bit where uh, anytime like someone would say the name of something, like if you're watching a movie and they say the name of the movie, it's like roll credits. And then it's like the end of like oh. an action show. Like that's if I didn't know that was a Family Guy thing, but that is something that I just do in real life. Yeah, yeah. So the <laughs> roll credits, I think it originated in Family Guy, or that's where I first saw it, started seeing yeah. people do it. Um, but like, you didn't feel that here. A lot of the times, you hear the name of the thing in the thing, and you're like, oh, that, <laughs> there's the name of the thing. But here, it's yeah. like, oh wow, that's cool. Uh, which yeah, you don't get that. What are we, some kind of Suicide Squad? <laughs> exactly, and you're just like, oh my. F- god no um yeah it, it didn't feel forced in this game it felt like it just played in 
into the dialogue. No, yeah, and I think it's it's like it ties together the game's theme so well because like the story of the game and like a lot of the plot threads at play there, the title itself is vague and mysterious and it makes you want to know what is with this title? What is going on here? You know, this game plays with your expectations and, and like kind of tantalizes you so well. Mm. Um, yeah, I think it does a great job with the drip feed like of the mystery of this game. There was never a point where I was felt like there was too much that I didn't know and it was deter like a deterrent. And there also wasn't a point where I didn't feel interested. I constantly wanted to keep going to learn a little bit more. Each day in the game, I was learning more about the characters in the world, and it was exciting to me. I think it did a really great job with its pacing story-wise of of mm. introducing mystery and being like, wait, who killed Neku? Wait, Joshua killed Neku? Wait, no, it wasn't Joshua that killed Neku? Yeah, yeah there's, pretty- there's yeah. every day of the game, there is some development between either the larger narrative or some personal development between Neku and, and his partner or Neku and, a, and another secondary character. Yeah. So there, there's constantly growth. There's constantly like something you're learning more information as you go. Um, it's, it's, it's very well paced. Mm. I, I think for the story as a whole, I would a plus on the story of this game is really cool. The story. Yeah. It definitely. Is very good story. Story. Yes. Uh, so I guess this allows us to kind of transition. Let's start talking about, mechanics uh let's start with the battle system which is kind of like the big thing that uh you hear about this game how it's such a unique battle system you don't see anywhere else we talked about unique, it briefly unique is a good word yeah. unique is a, a very yeah. accurate word um so like when i was 16 playing this for the first time i remember like enjoying it quite a bit and think it was pretty cool at the time going back to it now i wasn't nearly as much of a fan uh adam you had mentioned mashing and i i did a lot of mashing oh Uh, yeah me too yeah just like whatever works man yeah it so basically neku is on the bottom screen and you control him with the stylus and you equipped pins to neku and these pins are basically magic in some fashion you can get like a fire one where if you just draw lines it'll it'll make fire yeah there's and like as we mentioned previously every pin is activated through a different command of yes. the stylus and so you can't have two one... pins with the same command is that true yeah so you can't have two of the, like the drag items things because right, they yeah. conflict with each other yeah, so there's a pin where if you slash through Neku, you do something. There's a pin if you slash through an enemy, you do something. There's a pin where if you just hold Scratch your stylus space. down on the pad and roll it around, uh, drag it around, then it like creates fire or something. The one that I used primarily was the icicle one, where you draw lines vertically from the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, like Adam was saying, there's a lot of, you know... Well, well hold on. That's only half of the game. The other half of the battle system is your partner on the top screen. And each of the three partners are trying to accomplish different things. Um, but so each you, of them in some fashion uses the D-pad. Yeah, so you're using the D-pad. You're using the A, B, X, Y buttons if you're left-handed. But for right-handers, you're using the D-pad with your left hand and holding the stylus with your right. And you'd basically start by... The enemies would appear on both screens, but only Neku would be on the bottom and only your partner would be on the top. And you'd hit... Like, say the enemies were to the right. You'd hit the right arrow. And... Let's start with Shiki. Shiki would have shapes at the end of like a chain of arrows. So you could either just like hit right a bunch of times. You can hit right twice and then 
up and then keep going right and stuff. Uh, and basically, the, she had three tarot cards. She had a triangle, she had a circle, and she had squiggly lines. Um, and at the top, there was like a meter. And if you filled, if you, <laughs> hang on. So there's three cards at the top, and they're face down. Uh, this is for Shiki. They're face down cards. And whenever you would complete one, say you did your train and you got to the circle card. Uh, at the top, one of those three cards, it would show you which one of those three was the circle, and it would flip. And if it was the most rightmost one, it would stay flipped, and you would get a fusion point. If it wasn't, if it was like the center or left one, those would flip. It would show you which one it was, and it would flip back. And once you got a certain amount of fusion points, you could do like a joint move between the two. It'd be like take up both screens and be this big flashy move. Um, so they escalated in difficulty as you got new partner shiki was really easy you're just basically matching shapes joshua's had to do with math there was it would show a number at the top and it'd be like nine and then there'd be an a down arrow an up arrow or an equal sign and then when you started doing attacks you would see three cards of with numbers on them and you had to okay i need this number to be lower than a nine so you'd go if you got it you got a fusion point if not it'd go on the next thing and then for beats it had to do with the suits of cards oh, and his was, was stupid yeah his was the most confusing because at first i thought it was just like as many as you could get of the same suit so i thought if i have four connecting spades i'll get four fusion points that is not how it worked it had to do with how many pairs you had connecting um so basically you get that to the, the end first time i learned that i thought yeah, it was really? the other way yeah no nah, no it has to do with how many individual pairs you have so basically yeah, you get yeah. down to the end and there would be two things uh and of some ra random combination uh and then it would move up to the top and then you'd have to they would stay at the top until you got a skull card and but like once you got the skull card you would get fusion stars based on how many pairs you had next to each other and the cursor would just like kind of go in random spots it was dumb. I did not like it. I did not like beats. Um, Joshua's was probably my favorite, followed by Shiki. Just because Joshua, I felt like there was the perfect amount of complexity. Where it's like, Shiki's I could pay attention to very easily and get like the shapes correctly. Joshua's needed a little bit of thought, which was nice. And then beats was like, I'm just not even paying attention to this. So like what you were saying, Adam, I found myself just a lot of the times just matching, just continuously hitting right or left. That's it. Uh, to get through the fights and then using yeah, because cycling the main with it was pins. the fact that yeah, like the main issue I had with it is like on its own this would be a fine system I think like it's I didn't like having to like look at two different characters that are doing two completely different things at the same time. Mm -hmm. I think it's made worse by the fact that they share a health bar. They do share a health bar. Um, I didn't like, find it, the health bar thing a, a problem. The thing that bothered no, because me about the cool was... thing is if like if Shiki's on the top screen is going down, she'll go down past the halfway mark and meet Neku. It's not like she gets to like her. Yeah, it would have been bad if if one of them died, they both died. I think the fact that they shared a health pool was nice. Yeah, the thing that bothered me wasn't necessarily the fact, just the fact that you're looking at two screens. It's the fact that the amount of like busyness on those screens is much too high for something like this to work because like you have to pay attention to both of your characters positioning um like the with the top character every like card that's there and what the combo paths are and what your requirements are especially with joshua who needed uh you know you're the numbers to be higher even or lower than whatever the cards were so it's like I didn't have time or brain power to look at the cards presented to me and determine in my head, okay, is this higher? Is this lower? What, what buttons do I hit? I'm just 
smashing, smashing. stuff, you know? And, and then eventually, like, oh, I got enough fusion stars to do my, my yeah. team attack. At least, like, with Shiki, it was a little different because there were only ever three options, yeah. and it was just a variation of those three choices. Uh, so it was a little bit easier for me to actually, like, intentionally get combos. Yes. Um, or, but the other two, I was just like, nope, I'm just going to so, hit right the whole time. So you did unlock other things with the characters. Like, Joshua, eventually you you unlock it. So if you hit up before you you start your combo or start your your path, you do bonus damage. And if you hit yeah. back when someone's about to attack you, you'll block. Uh, uh-huh. Stuff like that. Um, so, like, I feel like that is important, and they don't really express how important that is, and often you just find yourself mashing. But there was a fight I was super stuck on and could not be. It was when um, the pink hair and orange-haired reapers uh, were in, like, their mean form or whatever. It's like, I cannot the beat them. Killed. Yeah, they just keep killing me. It's because I needed to start blocking with Joshua on the top. Or maybe it was beat at that point. I don't remember. Um, but, yeah, busy, noisy is very accurate. Uh, there's just so much going on that it can be and very thematically appropriate. Yeah, it was very overwhelming. And I did find myself just mashing quite a bit in the end so i feel like i eventually learned that there is a there's an option in the settings to just have the top screen character just autoplay mm-hmm. yeah which they will do on their own it sure a is yeah, but they're bad <laughs> yeah they won't ever get you fusion stars they'll do like if you just mash if you just didn't even think about it and you just kept mashing the right button you'd do way more damage than if they did auto because like you could mash and have it just be like attack 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 whereas they would be like attack 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 so yeah. uh yeah I feel like the idea is there, but a lot of it was lost. Also, like you were saying, Andrew, just like ergonomically, it is not oh, an dude. easy game to play. Especially because my hands and my wrists are like, I, they're fucked up or something. Like it hurt a lot sometimes for me to physically play this game. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the battle system. Yeah, not great. Cool idea. Not super well executed. I had some, some of the partners work better than the others. Like I, I personally think Joshua is a sweet spot uh and shiki is a good introduction but then by the time you get to beat you're like this is dumb i'm not paying attention Derek, Um, you uh you played on the switch for what you did play yeah yes i did yeah what happened to that you were supposed i thought you were gonna buy a ds cartridge uh i did not feel like because everyone (laughs) i found uh it didn't seem like it was gonna come in for like a month or two weird um that's so I why did. i ordered the game like months ahead of time <laughs> so this this was when we like originally were talking about it and i think like we had planned to you know it was like it I would have gotten here like two weeks ago and then i think when adam finally looked maybe there was like actually ones that came in time so by then i was like well if it's not going to come for a couple months like i'm just going to buy it on the switch and i'll play it on the switch to mm-hmm. be a comparison or whatever but yeah so how did so it work I, on the Switch with the battle yeah, system? Yeah, that was that was more so my question. I don't know. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> so yeah, kind of give give you tell the oh, the audience what you told us. So uh yeah, so I gave up on the game pretty quickly. Um how far did I get? I got to day the three. day 3 of the first week. Uh and I think the game. Well, I guess my main criticism. I think the game is just like way too slow. There, there's too much. I don't know. Nothing grabbed me in the beginning. I guess is is the main. Like hearing you guys talk about the story now, I'm like, man, like that sounds all really cool. And like, you know, the way everything works. Uh, I read like the Wikipedia plot summary. Like this sounds like a really cool game. 
eventually. But the <laughs> beginning was kind of very slow and drawn out. I didn't like the main character. So I was like, you're not, not supposed invested. to at first. He's a dick. He's a real dick. Oh, yeah. It, it was, they did everything that they could, I guess, to make me not invest in this game in, in the beginning. Oh, it's uh, got such good payoff, though. I, right, and that so I, that's like kind of a what you know. It's an unfortunate circumstance that I, I guess eventually I just was like, I have no interest. I, I never wanted to play the game. Yeah. I never was like, oh, I should play the world into the view. I should play it. I should play it. I was just like, oh, I'll play something else instead. Like I don't feel like playing. So, uh, so I I didn't even bother with the Joy-Con controls, uh, and I just went. I just used like touchscreen. So it's still on the touchscreen. But both characters are on the one screen, and there was something. So you still do like the swipes and taps, and and everything's directional to like move around. You know that's still all there. But the, I don't think you could control the other character, like at all. You like it wasn't as like hearing you guys talk about like oh yeah you, you know you use the D pad to do these actions or whatever. Like there was I think. If you pressed their like bubble, you could like do stuff with that. Like they would do like combos with you or stuff. But th it never got. And I don't know if I didn't get far enough into the game. Like, do do you start doing that D pad stuff right away with with Shiki? Yeah, uh -huh. yeah, yeah. It's so like the entire concept. They they like completely that part of the game just like doesn't exist. Which is why like, initially I said you guys should play this on the DS because it's it's a very different game. Yeah, and that makes sense. Yeah, I'm watching a video of some guy playing the Switch version right now, and yeah, there's just a bubble with Cheeky's face on it in the top corner. Yeah, I don't know what that does. I think you're supposed to like hit it at certain times, and then like she'll do stuff. Oh, so but there's it... there's one thing that we miss. Oh, she pops up onto your the actual screen. Weird. Um, yeah, uh, she's not there. I think like when you're playing, it's it's weird. Yeah, that is weird. Um. There is a, a mechanic we missed during combat called the light puck, and basically, once you like finish a set amount of attacks, it will shift. The light puck will go between the characters and do bonus damage if that character has a light puck. So the game wants you to naturally like, okay, give your focus to Neku, let him like do a bunch of attacks, and then the light puck will move up, and then give your focus to the person up there. Uh -huh. um, and that if you was get, the other thing I couldn't and never kept track of. If you got into that flow, it it did work pretty well. But I also found that mashing worked pretty well, so I ended up just mashing a lot of the time <laughs> instead of bothering with uh, that. Um, mm. So yeah, you just couldn't get into it, Derek. It just wasn't doing it for you. Yeah, I did. I I just couldn't get into it. Yeah, that's a shame. Uh, and it definitely looks like the Switch version is like the combat is an entirely different thing, which is very weird um yeah which it seemed like when i i before i i bought it i i i read up on it and was like is it really as bad as as people are saying or is it and it's, i think it's just it's still good it's still good because it's still the game it's just the combat is a little stripped down and yeah. i guess that does kind of take away from a the lot. game a little bit yeah I will say the Switch version does look very nice. Everything's so quick. Because, yeah. like, playing on the DS yeah. screen, everything is so fuzzy. It's, like, to what, 280p or 240p <laughs> is the DS screen. my other problem with DS games. Uh, but, like, this, the Switch version looks nice and crisp. And, like, the, the clip, I don't want to say clip art, but just the, the line art. The, yeah. The art style of it is very, very nice and clean. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. I guess... Now that we're done talking about combat, the other thing I want to talk about was like all of the mechanics surrounding the rest of the game and how 
pointless most of it felt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was just didn't need to be there. So because yeah, when you're not uh in a cutscene and when you're not in combat, you are maneuvering around the world of Shibuya, which is a like really like I guess uniquely in some ways cool like uh arrangement of streets and different camera angles. Um because like basically every street is its own screen and you can interact with different pedestrians and reapers uh on those screens. But the way that you navigate the world is by there every entry to another street is blocked by an invisible barrier which you have to uh clear a condition in order to get past. Um and sometimes the conditions are really dumb. Yes. Like there the conditions can be defeat a certain number of this kind of enemy or present me with this type of pin or get this brand, which brands are an entirely another thing. Oh, that we'll we get into brands. Haven't gotten into, but make this brand number one trending in this area. Uh, so there's just a number of like these superfluous things to do outside of the meat of the game. Yeah. Okay. So one major complaint I had about that. So on occasion, sometimes like the missions where like, okay, find me a certain number of these. Like some, Sometimes they tell you, it's like, at that point, why are there difficulty levels if I can't get that thing to drop unless I'm playing on normal? Yeah, that was weird. There were things where it's like, if you if you drop down your... So, like, you level up like normal. Like, say you, you just get to level 20. On the main menu, you can drop your level from level 20 to whatever, all the way down to 1. And you're more likely to get better rewards if you drop your level down manually. Um which is important for unlock. Like if someone's like, Hey, I need you to bring me this pin. You get this pin by fighting this guy. You're going to want to drop your level down by a good amount to make sure that they drop the thing that you're trying to get. Yeah. There um, was one pin that I needed to get that I must've grinded those stupid multiplying jellyfish for like two or three hours just to try and get this one stupid pin before I found out that it, I couldn't even get it. On the difficulty I was on, and then yeah. once I dropped, once I dropped my level down, I got like seven pins in one battle. Yep. I was like, I was like, come on, man. Yeah, that'll happen. Um, so I guess we we mentioned it. Let's talk about brands. Uh, so this wow. whole game is built around a brand system. I think there's like ten to twelve brands. Uh, yeah. and, and it involves pins and clothing, which is your armor, and basically yeah. each individual screen is a district. Uh, and each district has. Uh, a chart of like the top brands in Shibuya. And if you're wearing like one of the top three brands, you will get yeah. your clothing a, has brands and your pins have brands. Yeah. You'll get like, you'll do bonus damage or like your, your clothing will get bonus stats. But if you're wearing like one of the two least popular brands, you will do like half damage or like your armor will be half as good. And it felt if it's a cool idea that wasn't executed because I never paid attention to it once. The only time I ever paid attention to it was if a Reaper was like, oh yeah, you need to have this brand be number one to pass this wall. Um, other than that, I did not pay attention to it whatsoever. Yeah, at a certain point, it was just too much to keep track of. Like, yeah. I'm not going to... Like, every time I enter an area, I don't want to worry about switching out the gear I have on just because it'll provide me, like, slightly better stats. Yeah. Especially because I feel that the... This concept and, and a couple others are kind of glossed over in the beginning of the game, and then they don't really come up until much, much later. So, like, I've already played the game for five to ten hours by the time I'm required to know this information. So then it, it, I'm like, well, should I have known this the whole time? Because they expect me to 
to use this to my advantage and i just have no idea that this is even a thing like yeah. i rarely even went into shops because like i yeah. like i really didn't understand the the shop or equipment system uh it was yeah, it kind just... of really it was really hard to get my head around you had four equipment slots but you couldn't equip more than one oh, item a of type. a particular type so, like you couldn't equip more than one pair of pants or one or more than one shirt it was on pants each shirt, individual character head and accessory i think were the four yeah and accessory is like a they, whole lot whatever things. yeah um so yeah the brands felt really dumb and pointless um yeah I want to talk about pin evolution because it's something I never understood when I was younger. And I actually did research this time around to try to figure it out. And it's dumb. So you know how sometimes you'll like level a pin up and it will evolve into a new stronger pin. And it basically does the same action. It just got higher uh, stats, but sometimes you'll level up all the way and it'll say max. And on the bottom, it will still say this pin can evolve. Uh, So I looked into it and there are pins can evolve in three different ways. There are certain pins that only evolve by getting PP, which is like the pinpoint. I don't know what the actual, what it stands for. Um, you get basically pin experience. We'll call it that. Some of them evolve by getting pin experience from doing battles. Some of them only evolve by doing, getting uh, pin experience for having the game in rest mode. So I don't know if you noticed, but when you put the game, like if you save and quit and then you came back, yeah. you got, your pins got experience. Which were, by itself I thought was really cool for a DS game. It's a cool idea, yeah. And it caps out at seven days and each day, like if you go a full day, you get a lot. And then it's like a little bit less and less and less until you get to seven days. And then it's like almost nothing on the seventh day. Um, but there are pins that can only evolve if you do that. And then there are pins that can only evolve if you use the social features built into the game. Which is like uh, connecting to someone else and doing... I have a question for you, Jeff. Yeah. There are social features in this game? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so they were... And like, obviously, you can't do that because no one's playing this game anymore. So there were pins that I just couldn't evolve because I couldn't use these social features. Uh, so I only picked out pins I could either evolve by doing battle or uh, I would cl- close my system put the calendar ahead seven days, open it up, get experience. And it took me like 20 minutes of doing that to evolve some of the pins, which I, I can only imagine how long it would take to do that without actually cheating the system. And then on top of that, if you get too much of the experience from doing battles, then those pins just won't evolve. Wow. Yeah. So it's just like, and a like very when was that ever system. explained? Never. <laughs> yeah. It's never not. Say that. And, and it doesn't tell you what pins need what type. So it's just trial and error if you don't look it up. So yeah, all of that was very poorly done. Yeah, I noticed that some of my pins did evolve. I never questioned why it uh, did or didn't. If yeah. a certain pin got reached the max and didn't evolve, I didn't even know that it, there was somewhere on the screen that said it can evolve because I mm-hmm. just there's just so much information always presented to you at a, at any given time that like even navigating the menus while the menu song slaps yeah. I was I had such a hard time like actually getting through it uh yeah so I don't know it's like there are so many cool like mechanics with cool potential here that it feels like just the ball was dropped on them like if they explained how the pins evolved I could have taken the time to like pick and choose ones that I would have liked to use and evolve. And if they evolved in easier means than like having to turn off the system and cheat the clock or like do social games with people who don't like no one plays the game anymore, you know, 
it's just weird choices. Uh, and I just want to say that Tin Pin Slammer may be the worst like mini game in a JRPG Agreed. ever. I second that. Is it's terrible. So basically, maybe the worst mini game in a video game. Yeah, basically, you're it's like a tabletop game that people in the in the in game world play, where you're just flinging your pins at each other and have to knock them off the table. It's it like is, worth Beyblade. It is not fun. <laughs> it's very bad. Um, you're forced to play it one time, and yeah, it, you it have to rough. play it to progress the story. And I think like some of the best pins you can only get by doing a bunch of tin pin slammer. Um, and this is coming from the guy who spent like 50 hours playing Blitzball. So like I, I am willing to invest a lot of time into uh, a JRPG's mini game if it's good. But this one was Fort really Condor, good. baby. Fort Condor. Oh God, please put Fort Condor in remake part two because that would be huge. I would love that. Oh, so much. Um, no, they're they're gonna do it with the Golden Saucer. Also, Derek, you need to play the Final Fantasy VII remake DLC if you haven't yet because it it does some stuff at the end. I'm playing it right now. Okay, because we're going to do an well, episode. Maybe, currently, yeah. but I was playing it earlier. Maybe next yeah. week. I think we're, Andrew okay. and I are going to do an episode if you're going to be ready by then. It's short. It's like five I hours. I should be. Yeah. Um. Okay. I don't really have much else to say about The World Ends With You. I don't know if there's anything you guys wanted um, to kind of wrap up and say here. I mean, I don't know if we needed to talk separately, but the animation came out fairly recently. Yeah. Um. And I watched the first it, episode of it. I watched the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um. It is the definitive way to experience the new the world ends with you story uh because it removes everything i hate about it which is playing it (laughs) like Um, honestly like the entire time i was playing the game i'm just thinking to myself this thing is begging to be an anime this is this is a video game that wants to be an anime but shouldn't be a video there is an anime it's on hulu it is pretty well animated for the most part but there's a lot of weird like 3d animation and Mm -hmm. slash cgi for almost all of the noise which was kind of odd to get my head around but yeah, like i was with it for a time there's, there's some remix songs in the anime which are yeah, awesome they redid most of the songs and they all sound yeah. so good um yeah. there's no english and dub. Then, it's only sub right now right no I, I think so yeah but it's on hulu and the they actually elaborate on the ending of the story further uh there's a like a scene at the end of the anime where Joshua and Hanekoma are talking to each other and they just like reveal a bunch of shit about like the con- about the entire impetus of the game about why Neku chose Joshua how he feels about humanity like some there, like there's some stuff revealed about Hanekoma's origins he's like an angel or something uh like yeah it's yeah. nuts I w- I'm going to watch through it all I've only watched the first episode so far but I do intend on getting through it it's only what 10 episodes 11 11 and the yeah. first episode is like the first four or five days of yeah uh, the anime is just as well paced as the as the game and story itself yeah so except it just cuts out all of the filler of actually yeah. getting through the game yeah I, I i agree that it's probably best to just watch that oh i do want to ask you guys uh do you have any intentions of playing neo the world ends with you mm. uh yes but not for a while not for a while okay I mean, I, it, a while is uh, is an undefined amount of time because yeah. I have I have games in my queue of games to play that precede it. Uh, yeah. So it depends how long it takes me to beat those games. Um, I just ordered it. It is coming in tomorrow. I bought a physical copy of it, so I could beat it and pass it around if you guys are in no rush to play it. If that more so interests you. Um, yeah, I'm I'm just excited for it simply because of the story. I love the world 
of the world ends with you and i want to be in it more and get to know these characters more um mm-hmm. minimimoto is a playable character which is insane because he's one of my favorite characters yeah. from the original game uh because well, you said this is a prequel right I, i'm pretty which sure it's I a prequel i did not know until today uh, um it has to do with i think joshua is in it to some degree uh which is kind of cool i would imagine they showed, i believe like, in the trailer they teased neku yeah, but, but like, what prequel, if I'm he's alive and like he no. hasn't done any of this, yeah, what is Neku doing? Um, yeah, so I'm I'm definitely gonna play it. I'm gonna start playing it as soon as it comes in. Um, it says I'm trying to read to see if it's a prequel or a sequel without spoiling anything because I was reading the Wikipedia page for The World Ends With You and like within the first couple paragraphs, it's just like Joshua, who is the composer of the Reapers game. It's like, Whoa. wow. Went right for it, huh? Yeah, the uh, um, I did actually download the demo a while back, and I played maybe five minutes of it before something came up, and then I just never went back. Hmm. And that was not that was not like an intentional decision or anything. That just had happened to be what happened. Yeah. Um. Cool. All right. I guess we should uh give it our scores then, Derek. I'm assuming you're opting out of giving it a score considering you fell <laughs> yeah. off after a couple hours. <laughs> So I did just, not play it long enough to give it a score. It'll just be the three of us. Uh, Adam, what are you thinking? I, I'm torn between three and four because, like, it's for what it's trying to do, it's doing it well. I just don't personally like some of the choices it made. Yeah. So I think I'll, I'll probably go with a three. Like, it's a good game, mm-hmm. but it's got some features just kind of feel like they don't need to be there or, like, they don't work well. Yeah, that's fair. Andrew, what are you thinking? Uh, I'm a hard two. Yeah, you're giving uh, it the two. I really, like I said, I love the story and I think it carries the game tremendous, like massively. But I really, really did not enjoy spending any time outside of cutscenes, even the battle system, which is the second coolest part about it. But it was done in a way that just physically hurt me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is not an exaggeration. <laughs> I uh, I was initially kind of thinking four, and then after we talked about it and I thought about it more, it's definitely a three for me. Um, I think it does so much well with its story and its pacing and its visuals and its style and its music. There's so much good here that I think if you, you don't need to just be a hardcore JRPG fan to enjoy this game. I think like the average person could have a good time with this. Granted, now that the anime's here, yeah, probably just watch the anime. Um, <laughs> yeah, like I said, this game is begging to be an anime or a different type of game. Yeah. Um. So, dude, all I'm saying is, if they took this world characters story and music and just put it in like a traditional JRPG or like a Final Fantasy VII remake JRPG, which then, like like people Chef's are kissed. saying, people are saying Neo: The World Ends with You is like a great modernized version of it, and it's it's doing something interesting, but not this and everyone says it's good but also this got great reviews when it first came out too True. it was a cult different hit, times so, yeah uh, that I'm, was when that was when the ds was at the forefront of like technology and and like true. gimmicks were in then gimmicks yeah. were the trending <laughs> thing jeff uh so i will give you guys the update as i play through neo the world ends with you and, and sure. I'll, I'll let you know how i feel in comparison to this and see if it's worth your time uh derek since you've joined us before we uh do anything else did you have like one thing you wanted to talk about for the week uh, <laughs> adam had talked about uh he finished god of war, god of war. andrew talked about chicory i said i'm playing through all the metroid games before <laughs> metroid dread comes out just the 2d ones if you want to join in that and do an episode uh i beat metroid zero mission in three and a half hours so it's wow. pretty it's pretty quick um 
So was there anything in particular you wanted to talk about? Uh, I just beat uh, Yakuza Zero the other day. Ah. Uh, I believe nice. I mentioned to you guys in passing. Yeah, uh, I f- play, finally played through the whole Yakuza Zero game and uh, finished it a couple days ago, I think. Yeah, or Tuesday. Yeah, I finished it Tuesday. Um, I'm now. Oh, I don't know if fan? I'm. Full- I don't know if I'm fully hooked yet. Uh, Yakuza. I, 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 so I started the first one uh, today, Kiwami. Mm. Um, but I, the part that hooked me, I think the character that hooked me in Zero isn't. He's not like a primary character. Well, he, he's like a side character in the rest of the series. Uh, Majima. I think he shows up Goro? in yeah, Majima Goro. Yeah, Goro and, Majima. Yeah, he's in yeah. The, he's in the other games. Yeah, so like he's such a in Z, he is a completely different character in Zero, and you get to see his transformation into the character he is in like the rest of the games, uh, I guess. So he was a very compelling character, and I he is super fun to play as. Um, the Yakuza series basically the combat is like a, a beat 'em up game. Uh, but like in individual, you know, little r- fights instead of like playing across a level or whatever. And his mo- his moves are he just is so much fun to play as. One of his styles, he's literally just break dancing around and kicking people and punching people. Like it's so satisfying to play as. Uh, and that was like the highlight of the game for me. At the same time, playing as the main character, who's the main character throughout the entirety of Yakuza up until Like a Dragon. Uh, Kiryu, 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 Kiryu Kazuma, uh, he is not as fun to play as in Yakuza Zero, um, which I know they did kind of revamp the combat for Yakuza Zero. So I'm curious to see when I play three, four, and five the differences in the combat because um, so, it already feels better in one, and I've only played like 50 minutes of it, and the combat for Kiryu already feels like better and more refined in the. Co- the Kiwami remake. So, yeah, I mean, if you are into kind of like mobster drama, like I, I think Dante described it really well. He's it's like it's kind of like a soap opera where like just everything is and story wise is just over outrageous and outplayed and just like everything. There's so many twists and turns and like reveals and it definitely keeps you like interested. You're like what? Wait, this guy was doing this the whole time. Like, all right, now I got to find out what happened. And it's just very... wait, wait until you get to like a dragon. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to play uh, like a dragon now because I know I'm going to like that game even more because it's not a beat up game; it's an RPG. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I I played it pretty straight through. I didn't take a lot of time to like indulge in all of the activities that you can then also do in Yakuza. Uh, but I th- I only really did that because Zero is, I think, a much longer game than the rest. So I think in Kiwami, I'll, I'll take a look at some of the side quests more and uh, the the mini games. That's, I mean, right? That's what everyone talks about in Yakuza is the mini games. So, yeah, it was cool. I'm excited to, to like, I'm, like, very glad I did it. This series is really interesting. Nice. Cool. Uh, all right. Then in... I guess it's time to go on to our last thing. No trivia this week. Instead, we are doing a Reaper review. Oh, God. <laughs> I see what I did there. 
Uh-huh. Uh, Andrew, right, left. Andrew left. And uh, he's going to be back right about now. There he is. Uh, yeah, so uh, Reaper Review is basically like a trivia game within The World Ends With You. Uh, it's one of like the parameters to get past a wall. Um, so sometimes it's beat all these enemies or bring me this pin. And sometimes it's answer me these questions three. Uh, all right. So here we go. The Reaper I, Review. I can, see, I can see Andrew reeling from the, from the joke. <laughs> Uh, Derek, what? feel free to try to answer if you want. There <laughs> sure. M- there might be a couple things you might be able to get in here. Uh, question number one, what is Beat's nickname for Neku? So he never calls him Neku throughout the entire game. He has a, a nickname for him. What is Beat's nickname for Neku? Derek, we're going to have you go first on all of them. Uh, I said headphones. Doesn't he wear headphones? Adam? Neku. Phones. Andrew? phones i'm gonna give i'm gonna give derek a point <laughs> you're close close enough for someone who didn't get that far um all right question number two who is the reaper lead singer of the band death march what is his name so uh he had like a yellow mohawk kind of um oh, i know what you're talking about mm-hmm. the band is called death march you do a whole thing where you have to like get his microphone back who what is his name, Derek? Uh, Carl. <laughs> Adam? It was something weird. It's like three X's. or I think it was three X's. Andrew? I believe it's triple seven. Yeah, you were oh, close. Seven. It's triple seven. I knew it was three of something. Uh, Andrew gets a point. You were close. You're on the right track. Uh, Question number three. What is the name of Shiki's stuffed cat? She has like a little cat doll. It has a name. She tells you at the very beginning. Derek, you might know this. <laughs> she tells you right away. What is the name of Shiki's stuffed cat, Derek? Uh, Josie. Adam? Was it Mr. I want to say Mr. Mittens for some reason. I was going to say Mr. Mittens. <laughs> yeah? Is that your answer, Andrew? <laughs> yeah. You guys, are, it's Mr. Mew. Ah, uh, it's yeah. Mr. Something. So you got the Mr. right. I just thought it was funny that we had the same guess. Yeah, I knew it was Mr. Something. I got the M right, too. Question number four. What is the name of the ramen shop in the Doggenzaka district? Doggenzaka. I don't have the the pronunciation. I'm sorry. Never will. Uh, Derek, you're going to go first. What is the name of the ramen shop in Uh, Doggenzaka? Nashikiyama. Adam? Was uh, ramen done, Andrew? I don't remember that. I'm just I was gonna say Ichiraku, which is from Naruto. <laughs> oh well, Adam is right. It is ramen done. Yeah, I didn't remember that at all. Good job, Adam. Uh, and question number five: What brand is the pin Masamune from? I knew you were gonna ask something like this. Uh, hint: It is my favorite of all the brands. Oh God, that doesn't that doesn't na- narrow it down whatsoever. <laughs> So I don't know how many of the brands you were familiar with, Derek, but what brand is the pin Masamune from? Uh, Mitsubishi. It's, Mas- it's Masamune. Is it Masamune? I wasn't sure. Yeah. So in the Japanese language, every uh, they don't vowel have silent is, letters? is no. That's correct. They don't have silent letters. Every vowel is pronounced the same every time. A a e u o. Okay. Did you learn that in your first week of Japanese class? I learned it just from like. Liking being exposed Japanese. to the language, but yes, also yes, I learned that. <laughs> uh, Adam, what is the name of Masamune? I don't remember what the, what the letters stand for, but it's like D, it's like D plus B, D and B. Okay, Andrew, that was, was going to be my guess too. I was going to say D and B. You're going to say D and B? 
Yeah, which uh, not outside the game stands for drum and bass. All right. The answer is Jupiter of the Monkey. <laughs> which is my favorite brand of all the brands in the world ends with you my uh my other guess was gonna be natural puppy natural puppy is probably my second favorite band. <laughs> it's just so dumb but it has a lot of my favorite pins uh all right so we have a tie at two points each Derek, you're only one behind them good job buddy not bad man yeah nice. i was pretty close um all right and adam and andrew the tiebreaker question how many total pins are in the game oh god Evolutions count as individual pins. Oh, God. A hundred. Adam? 120. It is 323. Jesus Christ. What? Yeah. Jeez. So. That's too many considering I only use four of them. Yeah. yeah right. I used like six for the whole game. Um. All right. Adam is the Speaking winner. Speaking of, uh, oh I, don't God, know. I, I don't remember uh if there was ever a way explained to you but there are six pin slots and i never unlocked the last two i got yeah, five you... i didn't get the last one how i don't know how to get them? unlock them i got the four uh there's like side missions you can do on given days and i think you just have to make sure you did it's uh, a stumble a... across them because yeah, i never saw side missions talk to the re right people on the right day uh buy them in shops i don't know oh hi mona uh all right well that brings us to the end of this episode of the game sharks podcast but Jeff, we, what? We have we new hack, oh. dude. We do need well, a new. Well, we already know what it is. There's only there's one left only in one this left. barred cup. <laughs> and the game that we are playing is The World Ends With You Again. Uh, <laughs> wait a minute. That's not the paper. We are playing Hyper, Hyper Light. Light Drifter. Hyper Light Drifter, which is apparently yeah, this, really. This is the one getting the spiritual successor in or uh, just made by the same people it's uh, made by Heart Machine, yeah um yeah, well, i was reading an interview about it like evidently it's like like loosely like the same general vibe he's going looks, for but it like, looks similar it's like a 3d version he, he likened they the, it to, they have the same color palette yeah he likened it to going from regular like the original zelda to ocarina of time i was gonna say zelda 2 and i was like oh no yeah um oh, no. like yeah you know, it's that makes sense but yeah, same same company. So yeah, all right. So yes. we will be playing Hyper Light Drifter as our next game. Uh, apparently, that's really quick. I think Andrew has it's it. Like seven and like, a half hours. Yeah. Um. I think Andrew and I are planning on playing the whole thing co-op. That's correct. So we'll come at you with that. That you. I have experience. already. I have played Hyper Light Drifter before. So yes, I, am I have not. not. And it's. I'm gonna get yeah, it. Yeah. I would like you both to do me a favor and definitively opt in or out right now, so that we avoid a situation where we're a month in and Adam is I'll like, "Wait, actually." <laughs> I'll, I'll do this one. It's a it's a quick, easy one. It's not a 30 hour JRPG. Yeah, the game's already downloaded for me, so Perfect. it's an easy one for me. So all right, there we go. Done. Uh, Never all right. finished. Uh, it, we can touch base with Tcon and Jose separately. Let's see if they're interested. Great. All right, I believe with that. <laughs> we have reached the end of the Game Sharks podcast. Our this world. episode, the world ends with you, everybody. Take that to heart. Um, yeah, if you have any comments, questions, concerns, trivia, ideas, send it our way. Game Sharks podcast at yahoo.com. And I do believe with that, we are. Finished.